Hello podcast listeners, you are on The Power Within with James Fleming, building your business from the inside out. And today we are going to be talking about building your business from a financial growth standpoint. And the theme of the talk is going to be high growth business by design with the wonderful Martin Lightbound. And uh, without further ado, we will kick off the show. Again, so I want to welcome all the listeners on today. So uh, again, thanks all for tuning in. We have got the power within building your business from the inside out. And today, our very, very special guest is Martin Lightbound from On Point Financial Services. Martin! Hey, how are you, James? We're very good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic. Freezing to death, but pretty damn good. Good. Listen, by the way, Martin, I've been telling all the all the listeners about uh, about you this morning and how excited I was to, to get you on. And the, the the reason for getting somebody like yourself on is, you know, can we, why businesses, people, we don't really, I suppose, plan for our financial uh, 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 future. And and I thought. You know, today would be a great time coming up to Christmas and New Year and you know how people start to stress about money and where we're going and particularly when you're in business. So I was letting them know that the theme today was going to be about high growth business by design. So do you want to tell us a little bit about you, Martin? Yeah, sure thing. Well, first of all, really grateful that you've had me on here. I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, a bit of background is I was really lucky in that although I didn't get in business really, really young, I was 18, 19 when I did my first business, is I've been really lucky to have some really direct mentors give me some really good advice all the way through that a lot of people don't get the benefit of. So with that, I mean, I've had a gardening business that did really well, where we operated out of St. Helens when we launched. And in the first three weeks, we actually outsold B&Q, Wyverdale, and Homebase in the whole of the Northwest which was really cool, but that ended up in a disaster, to be honest, because basically it was a seasonal business and the nursery didn't expect us to have the volume. So that taught me to stay away from perishable products and then got into learning about internet marketing, how to sell over the phone, how to basically create that whole customer experience where people don't want to be sold to, but they want to buy and how to create that consultative sales approach so that you fulfill the customer's expectation and actually vastly exceed it, but do it all intentionally. And yep. doing that, we basically had a sales and marketing coaching company where we coached 105,000 people in 32 countries. We did a weight loss company where that was more of a day because people said you couldn't succeed in weight loss because I'm fat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just to prove the point is we actually launched on the 14th of December. And by the 28th of December, we did three, just over three million pound in annualized sales just to prove that it doesn't matter what time of year it is, doesn't matter who you are, you can succeed in any industry or any product if you simply set the intention and do it intentionally rather yep. than just try and play at it. And that's when most people make, make a mistake, isn't it, Martin? Yeah, for me, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is most people overestimate what they can do in a day and massively underestimate what they can do in 90 days. Martin, listen, I've just said that just before you came on the show. <laughs> I was saying to the listeners, most people overestimate the short period and underestimate the long, almost word for word. Oh, I should have listened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so for me, it's all about that. And most people just don't have a plan 
or they worry about finances or they try and do business plans where they're trying to analyze it down to the nth degree. And for me, it's simple. It's a case of look at what you're doing and design it so that when you launch, you know you're going to be success. But also actually sit down and say, how is this going to fail and engineer out the difficulties before you even get there? Yeah. Listen, Martin, you've been really, really successful. Uh, almost every business, you know, I, I, obviously I know you through networking, we've met, you're a very successful businessman, and obviously at these times of the year and people are struggling, you know, what, what, what is it you do different, or what would you recommend, if I'm sitting, like I'm a business owner, I'm sitting listening to you right now, and I'm kind of struggling. Okay, great question, so what I'd basically do if it was me is I would actually take a day out, it sounds crazy, if you're struggling, if you're worried about money and that sort of thing, but the worst thing you can do is stay in that scarcity mindset. Because from my point of view is people only get scared or only get worried if they don't know what's going on. So if you sit there and you're going, oh, I've got all these bills coming, how am I going to make the payment? That stress of not taking action actually is what causes the stress in my experience. If you sit down and make a plan and actually take the time out, take the step back, and there's a few steps I can go through in a second that I do, and actually look at it, once you have the plan, if you then execute that plan with intention and with energy and with just absolute massive action, it won't be a problem anymore. So the first thing I, I always do is, is look down and actually say, how are we going to be different from everybody else? So every business we've had, we've either given absolutely insane guarantee based on being, having confident about what we can achieve or done something quirky. So if you look at when we had the coaching business, we actually guaranteed people that if they did the coaching with us, the coaching was $3,000. If they didn't make $50,000 in 12 months, we'd give them double their money back, which wow. is pretty bold. Yeah. With the mortgage company that we've got right now, we're that confident that we will get them a better deal than what they've currently got. We actually guarantee them that if we can't get them a better deal, we give them a bottle of wine for wasting their time. So we're either going to save them money or give them free booze. So it's a win-win, and it makes it a bit quirky. It's a bit fun, because let's be honest, mortgages are about as interesting as watching paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be a bit intentional about that and work out what differentiates you. So for us, it's all about the experience as well. So if you look at most people who are mortgage advisors or financial advisors, they're very much the shirt and suit and tie brigade. Well, for us, is that's not us. So you'll see us. I mean, the smartest we generally go is a shirt and trousers because most people these days don't want to sit down and do business. In my experience, particularly with millennials, with people who they feel uh, like the banks or a bit stuffy, they want someone who's going to sit down and just talk normal language to them and explain it in simple terms they can understand. So that's what makes that's what we do there intentionally. But with that is, is I would say the USP, your unique selling point that everyone seems to focus on as being the holy grail. For me, it's no longer enough. Yeah, I would because, agree with that. Yeah, you've got to stand out. Yeah, you have. You absolutely categorically have to because it's great having a unique selling point. If there's no point having it if people don't know about it. So for me, it's all about the unique experience points and the unique marketing points. So tying into that, and we can go into this in a bit more detail, is one of the things that we do really differently is when we sit down, is we look for how can we create win-win-win situations. So what I mean by that is, is how can we look at what we do? And from a marketing perspective, we do online marketing and all that, but we actually do a lot through helping other businesses enhance their client experience. 
And the crazy thing is, is we're probably one of the few companies I'm aware of who actively work with our competitors. So it sounds crazy. I'm if you look at say, that, sounds nuts. See, I bet that Christmas party is an absolute scream. I bet it's all, I bet it's all you know, cordial before the, before the booze starts flowing, then the next minute, bang, someone's in accident in emergency by off past 10 that night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's absolutely crazy. Well, the funny thing is, is actually you've got to put it in a way where they don't view you as the competitor. So one of the things that I do is I, I'm a big fan of having something called a polymorphic business. And it's a term I completely made up. And what it means is, is that your business has multiple angles. But when you're networking and talking to other business owners, you don't tell them everything. You don't hide it. But when you're talking about what you can do to enhance their business, you talk about the areas that you have. And you proactively get rid of the problems. So, for example, we work with um, IFAs who can do mortgages, can do protection, but they love doing investments and pensions. Yeah. Well, we can do a better job of the mortgages and we can do a much better job of the protection because that's where we specialize. So what we often do is strike a deal where they'll pass the client to us. We guarantee not to touch anything that they do unless they ask us to, but we have a referral payment system in place that means they actually make more money passing their clients to us to do a proper job than trying to do it themselves. Um, for example, we also work model. with mortgage. That's a good model. <laughs> Well, it's awesome because you can pass them back and forth to each other. And you know what? It doesn't work with everyone because some IFAs are phenomenal at protection. But if that's a weakness for them, that's where we can slot in. Yeah. Um, to give you an idea, we do some work with a company who do employee benefits where the overlap between the business is absolutely massive. She does everything we do bar personal protection, and we do everything she does bar auto-enrollment. And we, we're just up front with them, and we say – when we do business together, it's a gentleman's agreement, and it's a case of I won't do the overlap if you give us the lead, and if we give you the contact, you don't do the overlap because we do it. Yeah. And I'm a big fan that, you know what, you can have contracts coming out of the wazoo, but at the end of the day, it all has to be based on trust because you screw me once, the relationship's over. I screw you once, the relationship's over, and you, it's actually interesting. You build a fantastic reputation in the industry where you actually get competitors wanting to work with you, which is really cool. Yeah, that's wonderful. So let's say I'm a business owner, you know, not in that, that realm. What, how, would you, how would you guide or recommend or help? So I'm out there, I'm a, I'm a business, and I'm, and I'm kind of finding things hard. I'm struggling to network. What, what would your tips be to get them in that kind of zone of looking at the competitors differently? Well, for me, it's about looking – let's take someone really generic, say a builder – yeah. You can't get more generic than a builder. If you look at it, is every builder generally gets every job. But if they really specialized in an area, it's for me it's about niching down your business and saying, what I'm phenomenal at is building extensions. And what I'm rubbish at is doing loft conversions. I can do them, I hate them, I don't like working up at heights, but I can do them because it makes money. Yeah. Well, what if you actually had a deal where you turn around to another builder who loves doing loft extensions, has all the equipment, can get a better result for the client faster and make more money, and you sit down together and go, you know what, we're doing about 50-50 building extensions and loft conversions. Why don't you pass your loft conver your extensions to me? I'll pass the loft conversions to you, and we'll pay each other to begin with to get rid of any inequality in referrals 
we'll pay each other for that contact and split the profit 70 30. Yep. And then once you've got a reputation with each other, you're working well with each other, sit down after six, 12 months and say, actually, all we're doing is passing money here. Why don't we just pass the referrals and get rid of the financial exchange? Yeah. What you'll find is by doing what you do really, really well, you A, increase your own lead flow because people find out you're a specialist in that area. You increase your profit and you get rid of all the stuff you hate doing. Oh, Martin, this is going to be gold dust to some of these listeners. I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm sitting here taking notes. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to bring us on to our first song, Martin. Do you want to tell me what your first song is? I think it was Calvin Harris. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, it, this is known as my admin song because I hate doing admin, but unfortunately, it's the same of the of the, of the times that we have to do with the industry. But it was also from one of the first network marketing conventions I went to. So if you listen to the song, it's all about taking action now. It's now or forever, but it's got a really good backing beat that gets you in the mood to do just about anything. And I find that when you listen to this before you do stuff, it pumps you up and gets you through the stuff you hate doing in about a quarter of the time. So this, this is your eat the frog go-to song. Exactly, this is my good morning song to get in the mood for anything. Right, right guys, brilliant. Would you like to play a week? Yeah, we'll be right back with the guys straight after this. This is Kelvin Harris. Let's go. Your time is running out. I'm talking here and now. I'm talking here and now. It's not about what you've done. It's about what you do.
Morris featuring Neo. What a name. Hey, Martin. Hey, how are you going? Yeah, that, that is a good song, by the way. That, that, I get what you mean by that. That's a... Calvin Harris, I'll pump you up and get ready ready to go. Listen, I want to dive straight back in. Okay. Because um, oh, during the break when we were listening to Calvin Harris, I was thinking about some of the things you'd mentioned. And you were talking about how you can increase your leads and how you, you, you increase your business by, you know, working with competitors. And you talked about, about lead diversity. What exactly does that mean and what is that? Okay, that's a great question. So one of the biggest problems that I find businesses have in general, and this is when I was coaching them and I was working with them, and even when I look at our competitors and even we have businesses that we view as partners now, even though technically they're competitors, and the biggest thing that I see from them is they're dependent on one lead source. So either they're just on Google, either they're dependent on three or four introducers, but those introducers are all coming from the same area, and that can absolutely devastate a business. So I know quite a few businesses that GDPR scuppered because they relied on data being passed from like IVAs and trustees to the financial services company that could no longer happen and they didn't have time to prepare. So for me, is one of the biggest measures we have as a business is what I call lead diversity and that is how many different sources that are fundamentally different do you have for your business and then within that lead source category, how many individual introducers or individual lead flows do you have? Yeah. So let's look at well, what how, lead how source categories. Yeah, go ahead. Give me the categories and then explain how we do that. Okay, great. So I look at things like client referrals, Facebook groups, Facebook advertising. They're two different categories. LinkedIn, networking face-to-face, what I call power networking, which is a whole thing where you deliberately target business categories doing things like lead magnets, and more, most importantly is, is having the introducer model that ties all of them together so that it's all accounted for in your financials. I'm a big believer that when you have a lead source category, whether that is paid advertising, whether that's someone sitting down investing time, it has a cost. So whether you pay someone for a lead and a referral, whether you're paying Google or Facebook or Bing or any of those sort of areas, or whether you're paying an administrator to sit down or even yourself to sit down, it all has a cost. So for me, in order to make it happen, you need to make all of those areas simple to work. Now, I've got a really good business coach in Paula Wingate, and she always laughs because I'm the expert at making it complex before I can make it simple. So what you do is you look at the lead source category and you go, how can I generate a lead from this category. Now the key is, is making sure that with everything is, is that you don't spew all the information out straight away. So let's say for example on a Facebook group. I'm a real big fan that if someone asks a question on a Facebook group, so let's say for ourselves we're in a property Facebook group and somebody says, hey I'm just buying a five bedroom, buy to let, can anyone get me a mortgage or who's the best person to speak to? you'll see hundreds of people pop up on that post going, me, me, we're really good. Me, talk to me, here's my details. Yeah. Whereas what I do is I just go, we can definitely help you here. We've got a specialist who we work with in this area. I'll send you a private message. And then in the private message, I'm really assumptive. So I'll, I'll message them and go, hey, James, it's Martin Lightbound at On Point Financial. Really keen to help you with your query in the Facebook group about finding that mortgage for the five-bedroom buy-to-let you're looking for. 
we actually have a specialist in-house who only works in buy-to-let mortgages. I'd love to get him on the phone and just have a free chat with you to see what's best for you and give you the right questions to be asking when you look at this area. Yeah. What's the best number and time frame to reach you? Yeah. So you went in an advisory role, not selling anything. It's all that consultative sales. So I always view it as dating. So if yep. you go up to a girl or a boy, whichever your preference is, and you go up and you go, can we have a coffee? It's much more likely than going, oh, my God, I love you. Will you marry me and have three kids? <laughs> How often does that happen? <laughs> now, I, mean, now, oh I used to do that all the time. Trust me. And, it, <laughs> and you'd be surprised how often they go for it. <laughs> it does happen, and that's playing the numbers game. And I'm a big fan of playing numbers, but playing it strategically. Yeah. And the thing is, is it differentiates, but also I've taken control of it. That's the whole thing with a lead source is unless you take control of it, it's not a lead source category. So by taking control of that contact, I'm not throwing my information out into the Netherlands and hoping that they just reach out and call me. I've got their number. I've got a time to call them and we call them immediately, but we also text them. And what that does is it just reassures them they don't need to speak to everyone else on the Facebook group who's doing the Me Too thing. They've already found the specialist to help them. Yeah. So again, it's all about that planning with intent, but having really simple messages that are non-threatening. Yeah. Don't you think? See, it's on that on that exact example. Um, you know, sometimes myself when I've been looking for, let's say, a a, a marketing expert or a, or a something, the ones that stand out are the ones that are actually listening to the question you're asking, rather yep. than just going, "I can do that." Absolutely, but here's where the integrity comes in as well is is that if when you have the chat, you're not the specialist in what they're looking for, you refer them to the specialist. Yeah. But what I always do and what we always do as a company is let them know this is the best person to speak to. We can help you, but they would be better. And whenever you need anything like this, come to us because if we can't help you, we can tell you the best person who can. So you almost become the concierge of business. You become the gatekeeper of – you get this reputation that if no matter what you need – come to me and I'll tell you who the best person is, which means we can cherry pick what we want and refer out and serve our competitors and colleagues and partners what they want. And that works really well. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So so what else? I mean, if there was any other examples, when we talked about the, the lead and the networking, what's some of the, if you could just say one or two things that you would say, if, I, if you could give you any advice on this, just do these. Right. So the first thing is, is when you try is focus your networking on getting introducers. That's the number yep. one. So yep. for me, too many people network looking for a deal. I don't care about a deal right now. I'm not looking for one deal here, one deal there. I'm looking for people who we can help their business and they can help ours by giving us a sustainable lead flow. So I'm looking for the people who can refer 50, lead, 50 leads or 50 deals a, month, a year to us or more. So when you do that, it's not about selling them. It's about selling them on you and how you can help them. The second thing I would say is, is that don't try and spew everything about your business. This is where I always let them go first and tell me because people love to talk about themselves. And while they're telling me, I'm working out how we can fit in with them in a way that enhances what they do. And then when I share what we do is I mention briefly the other areas we do, but I focus on where I believe we can add value. And then the biggest thing is, is that with that whole thing, my whole ethos with networking is let's see how we can help each other's business and get an agreement to move forward. 
Now, I don't know about you, James. I know you do a lot of networking too. Too many people in networking have a one-to-one, have a coffee, and then they go, yeah, I'll pass you some business. You pass me some business. Everything's great. They walk away, and they never pass a damn thing. Yep. So I'm a big fan that you have your initial 35-minute, 60-minute one-to-one, and if you say, yeah, let's pass business to each other, I say, great. What we need to do is we can either walk away and play like everyone else and do nothing, or let's schedule a two-hour sit-down, and you train me for an hour on how to refer your business, and I'll train you for an hour on how to refer mine, and then let's set up a weekly accountability for five minutes a week to talk about the difficulties we've had in referring each other, the successes we've had in referring each other, and just refine that so we can become referral machines for each other. Yeah. Does that work for you, or did you just want to keep it really casual? Yeah, I, I, do you know? Do you know something though? And this is this is where I, I believe a lot of people, um, me including, sometimes I, you fail at is when you're so involved. And this is a, I think this is this is a, a you know really if you can do this really well, you can change the game. Um, so you, you you know what you do, you know how you do it, but you can't get that message out correctly. And, and I find that sometimes a real stickler. It's a real killer. So somebody says to me, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm telling them, normally I'm telling them how I do it. And then they'll say, no, but what? And I'm like, well, I'm really hard to, t- to tell. And then somebody will come up to you and go, no, 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 this is what you do. You, you know, then that's the kind of, I suppose, the, the master of a good marketeer. It is, and that's where, I, when you sit down to a session, is I'm, I'm pretty good at this, I think, and I, I try and train the other person to be really good. But my whole thing is, in each hour segment, all you're looking for is two fish baits. So that is two 15-second questions that the other person can ask that is natural, that serves their client, but serves as a referral. So let's say, for example, that you were sitting down, and I know you do a lot of work with business owners, One of the products we have that we offer is something called a relevant life plan, which is a way that business owners can put their life insurance through the business so they stop paying for it personally as a death in service type benefit. But as a result of that is is instead of them paying for their life insurance personally, if they have a relevant life plan through their business, they don't pay tax and national insurance. It's tax deductible for the business and it's tax free when it pays out. That's (laughs) So... The net result is if they're a higher rate taxpayer, they can save up to 49% of the cost. So I train a lot of our introducers to just, when they speak to their business owners, to just ask them the question, has your accountant showed you how you can get the tax man to pay up to 49% of your life insurance? (laughs) It's a no-brainer, isn't it? (laughs) And the thing is, a lot of accountants don't refer relevant life or don't mention it. So I know that the odds are every time someone asks that, eight out of ten times, I'm going to get a referral. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. having that thought process and say, forget everything. What's the two questions I can train you to get me business? Right. Listen, what I'm going to do here, Martin, is I'm going to get, get, a, get another song on. And then Sounds straight up, when we come back after the next tune, I want you to kind of really dive into that sales process. How, how you know, how, how, if I'm sitting here, I'm going, you know, really struggling. I've, 2018 has not really been up to plan. I'm spending money on Facebook ads. What am I? What can I do different? Yep. And I know that's your your real your forte is doing something different. So, David, um, we are ready to go with our next song. Would you like to introduce it, Martin? Which one's this one? Your second song. The. Yeah. Um, I gave you three. Oh, <laughs> you want proud, you? don't you? Well, the second one. 
Which one is it, Dave? I've got well, I've got Proud lined up. Which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, no, this one's really good. So basically, Proud is the one that I use at the end of the day when I'm reflecting on what's happened throughout the day. Right. Because the lyrics force your mind to look at what did you do today to make yourself proud. It's the old day special. You could be so many How the devil are you? Just make that Six more days and it's here. So what Christmas pudding. Right, we're going live to James and St. Martin this morning. Hey, how are you doing, Dave? Hey, very well. A little very bit well. of hair or small. Hey, Martin. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, by the way, it's amazing stuff. Honestly, I'm absolutely made. My, my notepad's full already, and, I, and I'm, assume, I'm sure the listeners are going to be absolutely loving some of this stuff. So let, let's kind of uh, go back to a wee bit about the you were talking about the social media and the LinkedIn and the powerful intro models and and kind of what what is how does that lead into to growing the business? Great question. So basically, once you've got the lead flow. And this is the key why we can do more for our competitors than they do themselves is, is we really focus on something called product density. So if you look at it, is, is every single business has multiple products generally. And if you don't, then your customers are still looking for multiple products. So what we do is, is that we have a range of about eight or nine different products that we do in-house, but we actually map out two things so the first one is is who feeds us in terms of which businesses are we a natural referral to but once the client comes to us what other services are they looking for is it wills is it trusts is it letters of, of authority and powers of attorney and all that sort of area is it that they need to speak to a business coach is it that they need some mindset training that type of thing and when you look at it all you map out a whole range of products so on our board we literally have over 25 different products that we offer our clients. Only eight of those we do ourselves. The rest of them we throw out, we get a kickback from them usually for saving them on the lead cost. And as a result of that, we can pass that back on to our introducers as well because they gave us the client. And the biggest thing that I see with businesses is that they'll usually sell one, maybe two products but they're not intentional in their follow-up to get the client to buy every single product they have. Now, the biggest thing here is, is it's not about get the initial sale and then high-pressure sales get them to buy everything today. It's about having a logical flow where they know you offer those products so that when they need them, they know who to go to. But also, it's about being intentional about it. So, for example, one of the biggest things as you see solicitors doing is in October, they do a lot of them do charity wills where you don't pay them, you pay the charity. And their business model is they're basically after getting the probate deal attached to the back end of it, um, which is why it makes sense for them. They're basically paying for the lead. But they're intentional about making sure that they add those wills to their product density. So it's a measure we, me we track on a constant basis and it's really, really simple. You just take the number of products you've sold and divide it by your number of customers and that will give you how many products on average each customer has. And then you sit down and map out a follow-up process that says actually once we've sold them the initial products, we should do a 14-day customer satisfaction call. Make sure they're really, really happy with it. And then a really nice technique to do it is, is oh, by the way, do you have XYZ? So for us, it can be a case of if we haven't got into the wills conversation during a fact find, which we usually do, it's part of our fact find for that very reason. But if someone wasn't doing it, they could do that customer satisfaction call. Did you have any questions? How did you rate your advisor? Oh, and by the way, when was the last time you got your will updated as we recommend you have it reviewed every two years? Yep. And it's just having it intentional, again, by design as part of your sales process but also recognizing the sale doesn't stop when you've made the sale. The sale actually only starts once you've made the sale. Yep. Because I'm a big believer that you don't make a sale to make money. You make a sale to acquire a client. Absolutely. And then you maximize the value of the client through product density. Yeah. A lot of people are not very good at that, though. And a lot of people just look at that as, okay, job done. Yeah. 
exactly. And especially like our industry where people are on fixed rate mortgages and they need it reviewed every couple of years. It staggers me how many mortgage brokers don't follow up with their clients for two years and then phone them up two years later going, hey, remember I did your mortgage. Can I look at the review for you? Whereas if you've got the relationship, they should be phoning you because you've already sent out the mail, you've already sent out the email, and you've got that relationship where you're not having to remind them who you are. They already know who you are, and they've got it in their diary to phone you. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. So, so t- talk to me about that. How, if, if you're advising someone right now on this show and they're listening and going, yeah, that's me, that's me, what should they be doing? So if, if I – let's – let's choose someone who's done builders how about we do say gardeners yeah so if i was a gardener is one of the biggest problems gardeners have is they have seasonality in their business so i would be looking at it and going what other products can i do well you could do an autumn trim repair your garden while there's no not as much waste you could re-turf people's gardens in winter where they're not really worried about it that much if the garden looks a mess because it's the winter. You could look at it and go, well, actually, you're a landscape gardener, but do you trim trees? If not, get a relationship with a tree. But also, is, is, and this is the key thing, if I, it was me, I'd be looking at it going, who is the first person who knows about a house going up for sale or an owner interested in moving? It's usually the gardener if they're coming around on a bi-weekly basis. Every two weeks they pop around, they see the owner, they're going to mention, by the way, just so you know, we're looking at putting the house on the market. Well, if I was a landscape gardener, the first thing I would be doing is making an agreement with an estate agent to get a kickback if I refer them to an estate agent that's good, speaking yeah. to a mortgage broker, speaking to a conveyancing lawyer, speaking to an interior decorator, speaking to an interior designer, and then natural upsells that just from that conversation, you can go, oh, fantastic. You know, my last client who moved, what they did is they actually got an interior designer in to just tell them what, what rubbish to remove, how to... F- frame the house and they actually got 10 grand over the home report value over the valuation all because they spent 300 quid on doing a proper job they made 15 grand do you want me to get her to give you a call and see how she can help you wow i mean that's gold dust and that's to me is the bit that people don't look at is the the silo their thought process rather than going what information am i getting and how can i refer other businesses that do three things it makes the business owner more money It helps them with referrals into good quality businesses because when I have a client, I view it as my responsibility to make sure that client never gets screwed. So if you look at the estate agents, estate agents are generally very good, but there's estate agents who are fantastic and estate agents who are pretty good. I would much rather have my client go to a fantastic estate agent than a pretty good one. By the way, there's also ones that are not very good at all. I know, I'm trying to be diplomatic. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it's about making sure, A, the client is then protected because I know they're getting a first-class service. But also what happens is I've got a relationship with the estate agent, so I'm helping their business. And what do you think they're going to do when the house gets sold? They're going to refer me as the gardener back in and say, before you move in, do you want the gardener who was looking after it previously to come in, do a quick top-up? He does it free of charge. And that's the deal I'd have with them. I'd come in and trim the garden free of charge so it looks fantastic for when you arrive because they see the quality of my work when they arrive and I can keep that house as a client rather than keep the client as a client because I'd have a transfer process that as the client moves, I move with the client, but I still keep the house they were in initially, if that makes sense. Oh, that's brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Oh, man, man, honestly, some of this stuff's gold. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm giving you a call shortly. <laughs> always happy to chat you know that 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so once we get to that point, you you start to create that. You know, you've got a client for life. Um, talk us through the implementation and and and, and, and you know how how do we wrap it together? Great question. So this is where a lot of people might sit down and make a plan, but at that point they hit what I call overwhelm. Because if you look at everything we've gone through where you've basically got your lead sources, you've got your lead diversity, you've worked out how you're going to increase your product density, you've got your USP and how you're going to work with people, whether they're competitors or not, you can end up with about a wall full of whiteboard with all the actions you need to do. And what happens is business owners generally go, I'm going to work on that tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes because they're exhausted after doing all the thinking and working it all out. And they get involved with the daily business operation again. And before they know it, it's six months later and they're going, I've not really done anything with it. So my biggest thing is I fundamentally believe business owners know what to do. They generally know how to do it. They might need some help. The problem is in actually doing it. So I am a massive believer in what I call the DMO, which is your daily mode of operation. So it doesn't matter whether you're in sales whether you're trying to grow your business, whether you've decided someone else is going to grow your business, every single person in your organization should have a daily mode of operation. And what that says is is that it's a commitment that every single day they will do a few small actions. So, for example, if you look at mine, I have an action that every day I will connect with five introducers on LinkedIn and send a welcome message. Yeah. Oh, might not sound like a lot. It literally takes less than ten minutes. Less, uh, Martin. I actually so I, you know I'm a big goal setter and planner and and, and and doer, and I'm exactly the same. I have a thing I call it HPA. So you call it your um, your daily mode of operation. I call mine HPA, which means high payoff activities, and I have between five and seven items every single day that I must not maybe not could that I must do today if i am to achieve my goals for the week the month and the year end of yep and that is huge um so i think the name thing. it is all about action and here's the thing that i always tell train my guys when we're talking about dmos is the three actions i tell them to do must be isolated and must take no longer than 10 minutes for each of the each of the three and the reason for that is, is that if you sit down and you say, I'm going to spend an hour a day getting introducers, or I'm going to spend an hour a day streamlining my business, finding an hour a day can be really tricky sometimes. Finding 10 minutes is a piece of cake. Because you could stay at work for 10 minutes longer. You could cut your lunch break by 10 minutes. You could do 10 minutes while you're driving. I'm a big fan of either phoning people, talking to people in the car, or listening to audiobooks. But you have these three 10-minute activities that, if you do it, will pack out your diary while strategically growing your business. And then you tie that into weekly activities. So I'm a big fan of three weekly activities that are three one-hour blocks that help you tick off those bigger stuff. So if you've decided that you're going to have a free report on how estate agents can improve their business by working with a landscape gardener, for example, is that might take you 10 hours to write, which is daunting. But if you do 10 one-hour segments, you write it in three weeks and one day. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Absolutely love it. You're singing my song. And then the biggest thing I would say with all this is, is that, and I'm the biggest person at failing at this, is keep the damn thing simple. Um, simple activities really do yield the results. And I'm a big fan of making it really complex and then looking at it and stripping it back down to simplicity. Yeah, Too many people absolutely. try and overcomplicate it, which is where I find the DMO is so powerful. 
is if you've got a tick list, it doesn't matter how rubbish a day, it doesn't matter how much has gone wrong, if you complete your DMO and there's no excuse why you can't, you know at the end of the day, regardless of how bad a day, you've moved your business forward to hit your goals. Yeah. And it gives you that sense of achievement. Absolutely. And like I say, you know, your DMOs, mine is HPA. When I do these, to, uh, the, my, uh, the way I look at it, so I've got five or six, sometimes seven, because obviously I do this now as a, as a routine and a habit. So I know instinctively when to how long a task's going to take. And every task, or every HPA should take less than an hour. And yep. that's it. Because anything more than an hour, it's a project. It's not a it's not a, a, a high payoff activity. And I just know that like you said about moving your business forward, I know that every single day I can go to bed at night, no matter what problems I face, no matter what happens, knowing I have moved my business forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's just really the, the, the talk today has been so insightful for myself. So I'm assuming what it's going to be like for other people out there growing and building their business, particularly that last segment we talked about. I mean, that was absolutely brilliant. Honestly, it was really powerful stuff about eating. You know, yeah, how a gardener can, because can, it is, it's something that we all know, but not many people do. And it's just thinking the process. I mean, I made that gardener one up on the spot, but that's because I've done this a lot now. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, and the frightening thing is, the frightening thing is, boys, I was a gardener. I went to horticultural college when I left school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a small world. Oh, Oh, frightening! I went to I went to Withyshire Horticultural College. I bet did he go? Do you know it? Very strange people that were that were professors there that would taught me stuff, but my god, I mean I look you know, when you're there you think don't think I'm into this, but they're actually learning all that, you know, putting it into practice and going out and designing people's gardens, it was fantastic. But like you said, it's it's seasonal. So uh it is. you know, and you're earning you're earning about two pound fifty in the winter, it's quality. You have to go out and get a paper round and a milk round to try and be, get food in. Martin, quick question for you. Sure. Now, based on that information, I know there's going to be people out there going, I need to speak to this guy because I'm sitting saying it to myself. So how are people going to get in touch with you? Because, I mean, for me personally, this is a no-brainer. I mean, just in this, forget your mortgage stuff. Just on that sales training process, I mean, that is worth its weight in gold to spend an hour with you. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, great question. So luckily, I'm the only Martin Lightbound in the world. So if you go on Facebook or if you go on LinkedIn and you search Martin Lightbound, and I'll spell my last name because it's awkward, it's L-I-G-H-T-B-O-W-N-E, is feel free to connect with me, say you listen, you, um, listen to me on here and I'll make sure I accept it. Or if anyone wants to email me, they can do, and it's just martin at onpoints, so that's O-N-P-O-I-N-T, financial.co.uk and I'll quite happily chat with people and help them it's one of the things I really love to do it's a big passion of mine uh, so podcast listeners I uh, just want to say a big thank you um, for listening today and a big th- thank you to Martin uh, Lightbound and of course Dave Halliwell for hosting the show on Expat Radio um, so that's us finished podcast number 5 High Growth Business by Design. So hope you enjoyed it today. 
Um, please feel free to reach out to me at any time if you have any requests you want to hear on the podcast, anything you want to discuss, anything you're not sure of, or any listeners that you want to uh, get direct contact with. So it's James Fleming, The Power Within Training and Development, um, building your business from the inside out. Thank you very much, and I'll speak to you all later.